Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 5, Episode 1, To Listen, with Ellie Swope. Ellie Swope is a queer and autistic songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, recording engineer, guitar tech, and dog mom, living in Portland, Oregon. She seeks to empower and embolden diverse folks through her work. Here's Ellie. My name is Ellie Swope. I'm 35, grew up in Southwest Missouri and moved here to Portland in about 2010. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a musician, a recording engineer, and I make guitar amps for events and amps here in Portland. And I'm an autistic queer woman. I started on drums when I was about 11. I mean, I took private lessons for about seven, eight years when I was a kid. And I and that was largely focused on jazz drumming, a little bit of focus on being able to be versatile and be able to play in a bunch of different genres and in a bunch of different bands. And I played in school as well. So I did marching band and I did orchestra and all these things. But I learned to play guitar in high school and started writing songs in my early 20s or so. So for the last, you know, 20 odd years, actually songwriting and producing has been my main bread and butter. And just in the last five years or so, I got back into being a session musician and playing in other bands. And, and that's that's what I'm mostly doing right now. I play drums for a band called Maita. And that's kind of, you know, coming out of the pandemic has been the, the main bread and butter and like what I'm actually spending my, most of my time doing. Maita is, it's a songwriter named Maria Maita Kepler. She runs the band and she's just, she has a few different personalities. She's very much a folk musician. That's kind of how she got started. But she really loves 90s grunge. She loves early 2000s emo. You know, she's got kind of a rock edge to her as well. So there's kind of a mixing of those two. In Maita, I really love playing with her in particular because, because she has all these different sides to herself. You know, so there's songs that are a lot more based in sort of my jazz training. And then there's songs where I'm just playing straight up rock drums, you know. I love writing songs and performing with, with my band, but I'm not doing it as much anymore, you know, post-pandemic because there's so many, there's so much that goes into it, it makes me very anxious. Whereas like drumming has always just put me in that happy place. Like just something about drumming in particular is always joyful for me. Like I'm not ever stressed out about it. Coming out of the pandemic, playing the drums again for the first time with a band in about two years, I I felt like I was having an out-of-body experience. Like, I couldn't, especially being an autistic person, like a high amount of adrenaline, a high amount of stimulus, all these things, it was like making me freak out a little bit. And I've mostly like gotten used to it again and gotten it under control, except that I keep dropping my sticks in the middle of sets. And... If it's a low pressure situation, it is just funny and fun and I'm used to it, you know, so I can just grab another stick and keep going. But I did, we just played South by Southwest for the first time and I was playing someone else's drum kit, a backline drum kit. And 
the first song, which, you know, your first song is always like a high energy song. I played a big fill going into the chorus and dropped my stick <laughs> going into the chorus in the first song in my first South by Southwest set ever. So that I did not handle smoothly. When something goes wrong like that in a set, I think the immediate thought is to try to make up for it and kind of overplay for the rest of the set, try to like prove how good I am. But I did have to kind of like collect myself and go, it's fine. You, you can't overplay because then you're going to ruin the rest of the set. You got to relax. So, you know, I mean, things go wrong. I've had a couple experiences. Like, I, I remember the first time I ever played KEXP, the radio station in Seattle. That's you know, nationally famous. I had massive imposter syndrome around it. And, you know, like I've gotten to play Crystal Ballroom and that was amazing, but I was like, do I really belong here? I think like all the work I've put in in the last several years and then like also coming out of the pandemic and just feeling so proud that I didn't give up and that like I, uh, having this perspective as well to realize that like I do have a music career and it's worth continuing to work towards it. It just felt like an accomplishment. It didn't, I didn't have imposter syndrome about it. It was just felt good, like I belonged there. The biggest thing for me is to just be authentically me as much as possible, especially like coming from trying to be a songwriter and trying to find my voice within that you know, or playing for a songwriter who has such a diverse voice, trying to bring whatever thread of Ellie that I can bring into it all, I think is the most important thing that I try to do. You know, not try to take on a character or take on a specific genre too much, but just find my voice in everything that I do. It's like, what is, what does it mean to be cohesive? For me, I think being cohesive is just being me in everything that I do. Making sure that I'm making authentic choices every time, making sure I would make the choice I would make every time and not thinking too hard about what other people think or what other people would do. You know, that's that's the basis for cohesion for me. I've never really been much for collaboration because it it can be very stressful. I'm so used to having my own ideas be the most important thing. And like when I do write and record my own music, I play all the parts. I write it all myself and I record it all and mix it all myself, which was like one of the driving factors. It was one of the reasons why I wanted to learn all these instruments and learn how to record was that I wanted that control over everything. So this is all new to me, trying to collaborate and like let other people have some level of say in the work that I do and contribute to other people's work. Really taking a lot of pressure off, off of just the work of songwriting. I mean, as far as being a recording engineer and a songwriter, right now I'm just trying to get back into recording because that really dried up for me during the pandemic. But I love producing bands. I love engineering music. And as far as being a songwriter, like I said, I'm not super driven to do my own work right now because of the level of anxiety. But I've found that I'm really interested in co-writing and producing other folks. So I've been trying to do some co-writing with uh, a woman named Erica who, who goes by EMA and she's a great EDM producer. And yeah, I'm just trying to find other folks, other musicians, other songwriters who I can support and co-write with. I think for 
musicians, the ideal future would be more, or maybe I should qualify that, I think for pop musicians, anyone exploring a commercial uh, career in music, there's not a lot of financial support from you know institutions that give out grants and the government and this sort of thing. Like most of that support is for maybe nonprofits trying to do more community outreach, with this, which is great. There's a lot of support for performing artists that are doing classical and jazz and those sorts of things. There's just really not a lot of support for quote unquote commercial musicians because the assumption is that we're the ones that are going to make the big buck, you know, and there really is a, a class barrier and a financial barrier to getting to a point of having a, a healthy career in music. So I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see more community support outside of like GoFundMe and these sorts of things. It feels like you're just asking all your musician friends for money, just passing the same 20 bucks back and forth, you know, every six months to a year. I mean, even playing shows, it feels that way. Like we'll go out, I'll go out and support my friends when they're playing their shows and they come to me and it's like, who are the, who are the supporters that aren't musicians? Just passing the same $5 back and forth going to each other's shows. Well, I know that there are some folks kind of dabbling in nonprofit record labels. So that, you know, if you can get together a record label that isn't really interested in making a profit, isn't like a capitalist model. They're just truly trying to raise money to support bands and help them get on tour. You know, I think that's a really good model. Actually, my personal record label as as a songwriter is is a guy that just does it as a passion project. He yeah. just has a little extra money to spend and um, he helps bands release their records and takes on a lot of financial responsibility for that. So I think that there's there's something definitely in that. I do think that it gets a little hairy when it becomes the government's job. The big change I'd love to see is these institutions that are already supporting music open that up to more modern music, pop music, rock music, like folks that are just trying to make a living. It's a good example of somebody doing this, the Regional Arts Council. They do grants for development that any one of us just playing shows around Portland can apply for. But a lot of organizations like that only open that up to jazz musicians and orchestral musicians. So those performing arts grants that RACC does, having more of those available to folks like me and, and my peers from similar organizations. I can't really speak to any other organizations but that one, but that's what I'd love to see. I think also like, you know, we do as a people like really get locked on to some things and things that we really care about and being able to spend a ridiculous amount of time absorbed in the like fine details of the craft, you know, has been a huge advantage for me that I'm willing to spend four hours a day practicing the drums to just figure out the smallest details of a song I'm learning, you know? The biggest thing that I do is just make sure to focus on the craft. You know, making time to make sure my chops are honed, to make sure that I can play any idea that comes to mind. And I definitely find that spending the time just to play my instrument does open up the, the imagination and the creative part of it for me. Even playing someone else's song 
I'll get ideas in my head for my own songs. It just opens it up for me just to be playing my instrument. And then beyond that, I mean, I, I'm sure it's different for every medium, but I think the most important thing in music is to, is to listen. I find a lot of inspiration in just the practice of listening and not just to the same stuff I listen to every day, but exploring, exploring new genres, exploring, you know, historical genres, like figuring out where the sounds we make now really came from, you know, those sorts of things to just really broaden my imagination and my creativity. That's been, those are the two things that I do to prep for kind of getting into the headspace of wanting to actually write music. There's two sides to playing music. I think you have to work on your craft and spend that time like being in the present, being in your body, being in your brain while you're actually practicing your craft, practicing your technique, you know, so that when you do get on stage, you don't really have to think about it anymore. And I do, like, I feel, I feel like my best performances are always times when I can sort of get out of my head and out of my body a little bit and just listen to what's happening around me. And yeah, and just the flow state is exactly the best way to describe it. Yeah, that's where I go. The, the good thing about touring for me is I've almost exclusively done it with like for other people. So I've been a session musician in other people's bands. And I just make sure that I choose trustworthy people who are going to communicate what I can expect. You know, they take care of all the logistics. And then if I start to get stressed about anything, you know, they, they can recognize that and help me with it. I don't know how much I can give advice about being a spectator. I do go out to shows, but I, I make sure to go with someone who understands my, my needs. And, you know, I take a lot of breaks. I go outside by myself a lot and just kind of recuperate. I also am not afraid to just leave if I need to. Thankfully, I have a community and a group of friends that understand that if Ellie disappeared, it's probably because she's overwhelmed, you know? I only just found out that I'm autistic a couple of years ago. Part of my pandemic journey was figuring out what what's up with my brain, you know? So before I knew... I, it's funny because like I knew I had sensory issues. I knew that like I needed to have a certain routine around the shows I would play. I got, I would always get very stressed about playing a new venue. I wasn't sure like how the run of show was going to go. And so, you know, I just would communicate, make sure that I had bandmates that understood like, well, Ellie's just a very anxious person. And then upon finding out why all that stuff makes me so anxious, now I have the proper you know, words to communicate and I have the reason why. So it's like my bandmates and everyone around me are even more understanding and are even more supportive now. So as far as like playing the shows, I mean, it's a lot. I'll wear sunglasses on stage if I need to, if the lights are too bright. Um, I take, like I say, I take a lot of breaks during the, during the evening. If I have to go out to the tour van to just get some silence and some alone time, you know, I will. And I'm just really lucky to have bandmates who understand that and take care of me in that way. Not judging yourself um, for whatever accommodations you need, I think is the biggest thing. You know, I think autistic people are often taught to look at ourselves in terms of um, 
what we lack or what is hard for us. And we judge ourselves for those things and maybe hold ourselves back. Whereas, you know, if you look at yourself more in terms of the advantages that our neurotype gives us and then figure out how to just find accommodations for the things that you need, you know, I, that's been the biggest change for me is to not apologize anymore and to just expect the people around me to take care of my needs just like anyone else. Like if somebody needs a certain kind of sleeping arrangement because they have a bad back or like, you know, whatever it may be, you know, I've been in bands with folks who like to drive a lot because they get car sickness. So they don't like to just sit in the back of the van and we make accommodations for each other all the time. So I think knowing those accommodations and not taking, not judging yourself for needing those things and really expecting people to come, you know, to come through for you. And then also investigating like what makes you a stronger artist because of your neurotype. For me as a musician, like pattern recognition is a big one. It doesn't take me long at all to, to learn a song, you know, because I can just recognize how it goes very quickly. And also like being a late diagnosed person, I got very good at masking and I can really put on a stage persona and kind of live in that world. And I have a really great time doing it and it doesn't feel stressful. It takes a lot of energy like masking always does, but I'm able to then just make sure I get that energy back off stage. But it feels like an advantage. You can check out Ellie's music on Instagram at Ellie Swope Makes Music. That's E L L Y S W O P E Makes Music. Or on Bandcamp, ellieswope.bandcamp.com. This episode was sponsored by Oregon Humanities and the Oregon Community Foundation. Recorded and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Callie Day. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, please feel free to reach out at futureprairie.com or on social media at futureprairie.com.